Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Thank you all so much for being with us tonight. I, I just, I don't know where the time goes when I get these opportunities to host here on The Score. I am Hub Arkish. We're here for another hour, been with you since six, and the first three hours have just absolutely flown by. We've had an incredible lineup of guests, thanks to Brandon Pryor. Brandon is doing such a great job producing. Our, our, our producers here, I just cannot say enough about these guys. We've had some minor technical issues on and off. He's hustling, he's jumping, he's getting everything taken care of. Uh, lined up a great show for us tonight, so Brandon, thank you so much. Uh, do want to tell you that we are broadcasting live from the Hyundai, the SCORE Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. And I'm now hoping that for the next hour, you will all join me on the SCORE listener line at 312-644-6767. The SCORE listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. And when you want to dial us up at 312-644-6767, that also gets you into the tech zone. Brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at RosenHyundai.com. And we go back to the BetQL listener line right now and start it off with Bob out in Indiana. Bob, how are you doing tonight? Good. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I have two short questions. Is How important do you think it is for the uh, tight end position to help Justin? And my second question is, can you please describe what illegal formation is? Thank you. Sure. Yeah. Well, Bob, let, let me take the second part first, because that's kind of the easy part. Um, you know, the, the simplest explanation is that you have to have four players uh, off the line of scrimmage and seven players on the line of scrimmage uh, at, at any given time. And so, you know, that can be whatever combination you want, two running backs, a quarterback, and a flanker. Um, uh, you know, you can go one running back and have two wide receivers lined up off the line of scrimmage, uh, but you have to have them, uh, you know, four guys in the backfield, seven guys on the line. Uh, you also cannot cover uh, an eligible receiver with a second eligible receiver. That, that's kind of similar to not having enough guys in the backfield, but that will draw an illegal formation uh, call as well. There, there's a few other you know, uh, rare instances where you can get one, but those are the, the, the two you know, most basic. Um, uh, so, so that's the way to go on that. As far as the tight ends, 
Um, man, it's a puzzle. I just, I was fine with bringing back Jimmy Graham this year. I know a lot of people questioned it. He had a, a, a big cap hit. Um, now you were going to eat some of that cap space anyway. Um, but before they redid the contract, I know it was about a seven to $9 million cap hit. Um, and yet this guy was third among tight ends in the NFL in touchdowns last year. Over the last five years, the only tight end in football with more touchdowns is is uh, Travis Kelsey. I mean, you're talking about one of the best red zone weapons in the NFL. We also, or at least I shouldn't say we, I was a bit surprised to, to hear about his leadership skills, his, his mentoring ability, what an incredible role model he is in the locker room. It all screamed, bring the guy back. I was fine with it. But to bring him back and take a $7 million cap hit and not use him makes no sense. You know, we're, we're four games into the season, and he's literally been targeted three times. Uh, then you get to Cole Komet, who is a work in progress and, and only had a couple years at Notre Dame. I still think could have a very bright future. Was very impressed with him in training camp and during the preseason, and yet he has struggled early. Um, still, you know, a few unfortunate penalties. Uh, you, you, you turn on the tape and you don't see him running wide open and waving frantically, get me the ball. Um, but more than anything, I'm disappointed in Matt Nagy's offense, and that's whether he's calling plays or Bill Lazor is calling plays. They have thrown 100 passes this year, and they've targeted their three tight ends. I'm including Jesse James in it because he looked good during the preseason 15 times, 12 of them to Cole Komet. They are not being used. Now, when we say targeted them, we don't know how many times they may have been the primary receiver and either Dalton or Fields didn't go to them. We don't know how many times they were available on a check down in Dalton or Fields, and now I'm looking mainly at Justin Fields, didn't get to a second or third option when they should have and go to them. So it's not all on the coaches, but 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 this offense that, that they're so excited about getting instituted and getting Justin Fields comfortable running, it should rely more on the tight ends, and it's not. Also, when you've got a young quarterback, more often than not, their main security blanket is that tight end. You can find him in short areas. You can find him blocking and then dropping off the line as a safety valve. Um, you, you can hit him in different parts of the field. And they're just not using him, Bob, and, and, and it escapes me as to why not. I asked Matt about it specifically on Monday in the presser. And, and, and he gave me kind of that stock, well, you know, we've, we've got eight receivers. And there's only so many balls to go around. Um, but at the end of the day, you got three positions. You got your running backs, you, you got your, your, your wide receivers and your tight ends. And when your tight ends are only being chosen 15% of the time and you've got three of them and you've only got four wide receivers, that's just not enough. And, and, and by the way, it gets worse than that. I'm not sure why Demir Bird and Marquise Goodwin are on the team. I mean, I, I know why, and I think they bring incredible speed, but they're not being used either. You know, you know Beard played uh, Bird, I should say, played 33 snaps on Sunday and never was targeted. Marquise Goodwin was targeted twice, didn't catch a pass, wasn't, didn't get any good throws. Uh, you know, so um, there still is so much missing in this passing game. And, and, and I don't know how much of it is because of Justin Fields' inexperience. I don't know how much of it is just the play design and, and the way the offense is being run or the play calling. 
but the bottom line is it's still not working, you know, and, and, and so um, this has been one of my concerns about going to fields too early. It doesn't matter now, you know, they, they've gone to him, it's going to be him, and one of the things we need to watch really closely this week, the next couple of weeks, is do they involve the tight ends in the offense because they have not done it enough. It's a great observation by you, and they're going to have to do it more if they want this offense to be successful. Let's head out to the north side. Willie is on the line. Willie, what's on your mind tonight, man? How you doing? I'm good, thank How's you. How's it going? Good. Good. Um, let me tell you why I admire the WNBA. Um, first, they don't get a lot of credit. Um, they have put a lot of people to work. That's been really exciting. So these are people with a lot of skills. They have a lot of athletic skills. It's a fun league to watch. So much so that I bought tickets for the sky for next year. So I have season tickets for next year. And none of those are the real reason why I bought season tickets. I admired them because of social justice issues. That league, that entire league, stepped up during Black Lives Matter, during George Floyd um, last year. That entire league. The Atlanta team. Um, one of the players, I don't remember her name, quit the team to help a young man who was innocent get out of jail. I absolutely admired everything they did. I was impressed. Those, those young ladies are impressive. And they have amazing skills. And so we, my wife and I stepped up. We bought season tickets. And now we may be going to see champions next year. Isn't that absolutely amazing? This team may win the championship. Willie, it is. And and thank you so much for the phone call because you obviously know more about it than I do. I I am aware uh, that they have been leaders in the areas uh, of social justice and legal inequalities, and it is to be admired. Um, uh, My understanding, and and again, I'm not trying to pretend to be somebody I'm not. It's not something I have followed closely, but what I've even seen from a distance, I've been nothing but impressed. And and the one young lady on the Sky team who I'm most familiar with is Candace Parker. She she was born in St. Louis, but she went to Naperville Central High School. She grew up here, then went on to Tennessee. She's She's one of the best basketball players I've ever seen. I don't care if she's a man or a woman. She's just a really great basketball player and even a more impressive young lady off the court. And then, you know, you follow on with this information. And so, you know, my message to everybody is I'm not I'm not shilling for the league. I am not likely to be running out and buying tickets because it's just it's not what I do. I don't really have the time or the opportunity. Actually, I take that back. I am going to try and make a point now that I know they're going to the finals. I would love to get a game. I have not seen go to a game. I have not seen the Wintrust Arena yet. Um, uh, but, but I, I do take exception to people who want to try and make a joke out of this or make light out of it or, or pretend like it's not a big deal or they're not entitled, uh, to our attention. They are absolutely, um, deserving of our intention. They have absolutely earned our respect and our admiration. Um, this is a great accomplishment. The Connecticut Sun were huge favorites going into this series and for them to beat them three to one. And by the way, it is final now. Uh, let me see if I can get one of my machines to work here because I just saw the score 
uh, but I don't want to give you a bad number. 79-69, the final. The Sky wins the series 3-1. to one. They do not have to go back to Connecticut, thank God, for a game five. Um, and they will be moving on to the finals. Uh, right now, um, the other semifinal game uh, is early. Uh, Phoenix up 8-2 to two over Las Vegas. That one is on ESPN as well. If anyone is interested in seeing it, why don't you wait about 45 minutes. We'll be off the air, and then you can go watch them or else turn it on with the sound down. But, uh, Willie, thank you very much for, for a good call, and thank you for educating me because I, I knew um, some of the, the, the social justice things and things that they've worked on, but I didn't even realize to the extent that they have. Um, and, and I just couldn't be happier for that organization, that team right now. And if Chicago is not proud of the sky right now, there's something wrong with us, not them. So uh, let's go out to the northwest side where Craig is on the line. Craig, how are you doing tonight? I'm well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I've just got two things. One is I just have a hunch to Kyle Schwarber might be coming back next year. It's nothing. I don't know why. Maybe I've been drinking too much, but I just have a hunch. My my second thing. What do you what do you think the ceiling for the Broncos is? They're three and one. I know they beat poor teams, but uh, you know Bridgewater's got hurt a concussion last week. Um, what they. Yes, they have to win in Pittsburgh because they've got a real tough slate next week. So I'll shut up now. Well, Craig, thank you for the phone call. I, um, uh, I, Vic Fangio is one of my all-time favorites, and, and Kyle Fuller is too. Um, and so I have a, a minor rooting interest in what they're doing right now. Um, I think that defense is absolutely for real. With a healthy Teddy Bridgewater, they can play with most teams in the NFL. Unfortunately, he got the concussion. I believe it was late in the first half. Um, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by Drew Locke. He's got some skills, but he obviously is not a winning NFL quarterback yet. They're not going to be as good a, a football team if he is under center as they are with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, and, and they did. You know, they, they had the advantage of the early schedule, much like the Raiders, you know, who the Bears will see this week. Um, uh, but I think that Bronco defense is going to keep them in any game on any given Sunday. Um, I think that, that, that Vic is an outstanding defensive coach. I'm not sure yet that he's proved uh, that he's going to be an excellent head coach. Um, I think that they, they obviously need, I shouldn't say obviously, I believe they need to get better on offense before they become a legitimate contender. Um, but if you're asking me if I think they have a shot at being a playoff team this year, I do. Uh, you know, and it's all going to be a question of, of how healthy they can keep that defense. Losing Bradley Chubb uh, was a significant loss, and you saw in the first game without him, the, the, the Ravens um, had their way with him a little bit. And I, I was a bit surprised. I, I thought that that was not the spot this was going to happen. Um, you know, with that game in Denver, I, I did expect. Uh, the Broncos to win that football game. So I was a little disappointed in them last weekend, uh, but I do think that they are a much improved football team. I like a lot of the weapons that they've added on offense, but they got to have Bridgewater healthy at quarterback. Drew Locke is not ready yet. And so how quickly he gets back from that concussion um, and, and how much more they find uh, in both their ground game and, and the offense in general, is, I think is going to dictate how far they can go. 
Guys, we've got to take a quick commercial break here for a few minutes. I do want to get lots more of your phone calls at 312-644-6767. Also going to spend a little bit more time in the tech zone before we go. That tech zone uh, brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. These commercial words, and then we're back with your calls in just a moment right here at 670 The Score. Welcome back, everybody. We are going to jump right back to the BetQL listener line because the lines are jammed again. This time, I'm not going to let anybody down, though. We've got no more guests coming. We're going to get to everybody kind of rapid fire here as we go through the last 40 minutes of our show. I do want to tell everybody, by the way, at 10 o'clock, you want to stay right here. We have a new feature here on The Score. It is a podcast with Matt Spiegel called The Run. It is the story of the 2016 Chicago Cubs World Series championship season. And, and I got to tell you guys, uh, you really want to start to catch up with this. Uh, Matt is not only a quality talk show host and a hell of a lead singer in his band, uh, but I, Matt is, is one of the most knowledgeable baseball people I've ever talked to. I mean, he really... Uh, gets deep, and he, he, he's got great stories behind the scenes from the locker rooms, um, and this podcast is, uh, I think it's exciting. Of course, I'm a Cubs fan. I'm a little bit biased, but if you're just, even if you're a baseball fan, it's such a great story, uh, and we're going to have uh, an episode for you tonight at 10 o'clock. So when we are done here, stay tuned for The Run with Matt Spiegel. Right now, I'm going to go out to the south side and welcome Mike into the show. Mike, I hope you're having a great night. How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, can't match Willie's call that. He educated me, too. But number one, go Sox. Number two, I'm going to make a couple of points. Uh, the Bears thing stinks. You put the best player that's going to give you a chance to win. Right now, I think we both agree that would have been Dalton. Uh, we're going to please the fans. This was what they want. I think this is job statement tough. Number three, I'd, uh, I think you'll agree. Uh, Zimmer's been in Minnesota quite a few years now. He don't start winning. This could be the end of his time. There was a lot of talent on that team, and nothing's happening good. Number four, I wanted to see Hub if you'd comment on this one. Did, uh, is Dan Campbell, is he setting a culture up with the Lions? One thing about them, they don't seem to be quitting and games are folding. Patricia lost the team, and I'll hang up and see uh, uh, what you got to say. But uh, go Sox tomorrow, and uh, thanks for taking my call. Well, Mike, thank you for calling. I echo what you say. Go White Sox. I hope everybody in town, including all us Cubs fans, are pulling for him. Uh, I, I don't know that Mike Zimmer is in any immediate danger. He is under contract through 2023. Uh, he is a quality football coach. I don't think they're losing because of him. Uh, you know, if not for a fumble in overtime, they probably beat Cincinnati. If not for a missed 37-yard field goal, they're three and one instead of one and three. Now, now he's the head coach and he's responsible for this. And they had a bad year last year, um, but but I I I just I know that that the the Will family likes him a lot. Rick Spielman is as sound as they come, and and, and Rick is very much in his camp. Um, so I do think he's got to turn it around. They got to start to win some football games. You know, you don't want this to get out of hand. Um, but with two years left on the deal after this year, um, it's gonna it's gonna have to stay bad or even get worse uh, for him to not get at least one more year. And I don't think it's gonna stay this bad. They're they're gonna win some football games. 
games. As far as uh, the old kneecap biter up in Detroit, um, yeah, you know, they, they, they played hard. You know, they showed up. They also probably are as responsible for the, the Bears winning as the Bears were. I mean, you know, the, those turnovers in the red zone, just kind of bizarre, and especially the first one um, where, where the ball just bounces up off of Goff and bounces into Bilal Nichols' hands. And I, by the way, I love Bilal Nichols. I think this kid has a chance to become a star. I, I think he's showing more and more every week. And I think now with, we don't know this to be the, the case yet, but it seems certain Akeem Hicks, groin injuries are really tough. And especially on big guys carrying 330, 340 pounds, it's tough to work through. I think it's going to be at least a couple few weeks. And, and I think Nichols, you know, may be the guy who steps up and, and makes some plays and, and really impresses people. Um, uh, you know, but, but that said, to your point on the Lions, they're just a bad football team right now. They don't have enough talent. Uh, I, I, I mean, you know, Jared Goff, give him credit, running for his life. He made some plays I didn't think he could make, um, but there's a reason that the Rams gave up on him this soon. And, and, and he's one of the positive stories there. The offensive line, I wish the Bears had that offensive line. Uh, and, you know, again, Frank Ragnow, who was a pro bowler last year, goes out halfway through that game. Um, Penny Sewell is going to need some time. Um, but other than the talent on that offensive line, there's not a unit on the Lions that I look at that I say, yeah, this is one you're going to win with. I think Swift could be a pretty good running back. Um, uh, you know, some of those younger kids on defense may have nice futures, but um, Campbell just needs more players at this point. So, you know, like that they're playing hard. That's not unusual with a first-year head coach. There's a lot of guys who realize that if it wasn't for the Lions being a bad football team, they might not even be in the league right now. So they're going to keep playing hard. Uh, but but they're just not good enough, Mike. You know, and 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 that uh, um, is something that they just they need more help. They need time. They've got some extra draft picks with the Stafford trade, so we'll see where they're at in a year or two. But I don't expect a, a lot of improvement over the course of this season just because they don't have the horses. Let's head out to Jefferson Park and see what Chris is thinking about. Chris, I hope you're having a good night, and I hope you're doing well. Hey, Hub, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Uh, I got. Two questions for you. First one's about the running game. With David Montgomery going out and Tariq Cohen come off the pup list in week seven, do you see Williams carrying the rock and do you see any other running backs on the Bears roster picking it up? Well, Williams is going to have to, for starters. I mean, you know, he's, he's the number two. That's what he's here for. I, I, I was terribly concerned you know, when, when, when Matt mentioned his quad injury at the end of the, the game Sunday, because I didn't realize he'd gotten hurt. I never saw him in the blue tent. Um, it, it must've come late in the game because Khalil Herbert didn't get in until late. I thought they were just getting Herbert a couple, a couple plays because they knew that the Montgomery injury didn't look good. So, you know, assuming that Williams is a hundred percent and he was a full, per, per, excuse me, a full participant in practice today, which is a good thing. Um, he becomes your feature guy for the next three, four or five weeks. And, and the hope that Khalil Herbert, you know, is a fast learner. You know, rookie running backs come out of nowhere. It's not unusual. Let's not forget Jordan Howard. You know, we've seen it here not that long ago. And I do like what I've seen of Herbert so far. Neither of them are going to be David Montgomery. David Montgomery is now one of the premier backs in the NFL. It's just a shame just as he's emerging to have to deal with this. But, you know, I guess we should be grateful that uh, it's not season ending. So hopefully he gets back as soon as possible. Um, I, I just felt 
that that it was a good reason not to make the announcement that they did today that Fields is now the full-time guy because I think he's going to suffer for this on Saturday on Sunday um, unless Williams is 100% and the offensive line blocks their butts off. So um, uh, if they cannot and, and and you know obviously Sunday was very unusual. They're not going to have they may not have another game this year where they run 39 times and only throw the ball 17 times, but they've got to stay close to a 50-50 balance and in this particular case with the young quarterback if they could get to 52 53 54 percent running plays that would be great um, they're going to do everything they can to at least stay 50-50 with Williams and Herbert because they have to uh, to really give Fields a chance to improve and develop. And that that's not – see, I say these things and people think I'm criticizing Fields. Not at all. I love Justin Fields. That's the way you develop a young quarterback, and that's how you help him out. So the fact that they're losing Montgomery and now is the time to make that move, I would have preferred if they had just – either pretended that, that Andy Dalton wasn't 100% or just explained to him we want to wait one more week and seeing what would happen before they made the announcement they made today. But it's done now, and, and, and it really doesn't matter because it was going to happen in the next few weeks anyway. Um, uh, and so to your point, they better be able to run the football without David Montgomery or it's going to be really tough on Justin Fields. Jim is out in Forest Park. Jim, how you doing tonight? Oh, uh, hey, Hub, a long-time, long-time fan. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, we're good. Mm-hmm. Oh, good, okay. Yeah, you know, my frustration, Hub, the last few weeks, all this bickering about uh, Dalton Fields, uh, surely there must be some definitive research, uh, let's say the last 10 years of NFL history, uh, of teams that drafted a quarterback first round, and then, you know, the diff- assessing the difference in outcomes between teams that handed the kid the ball and said, you know, you're no longer a college quarterback, you're now an NFL quarterback, and started him game one versus teams that uh, groomed a guy, prepared him, brought him along more slowly. I mean, th- does this really need to be a, a, a puzzle? I mean, is, isn't there – hasn't any, any research ever been done on that uh, question? And I'll hang up and listen to your answer. Well, yeah, Jim, I mean, here's the problem with that, because I have done significant research on it, and I've tried to, to report it uh, on various occasions here at the score. I, I, you know, I mean, you have to start with the failure rate of first-round quarterbacks, regardless of how soon they got the football, because uh, the numbers are kind of stunning. If you go back 11 seasons from 2019, I did not include 20 in, in, in this because we just didn't know off their rookie years. Uh, or actually, I, th- I think I went with 18 because, again, even with the kids in 19, with just one or two years, you can't say. But from 2018, going back 11 seasons, there were 32 quarterbacks drafted with top 15 picks in the draft, and only three of them have succeeded to this point. Um uh, the other 29, you know, they didn't all completely fail, but none became, you know, winning starting quarterbacks with the teams that drafted them. So you know that 90% of these kids are going to fail no matter when they get the ball. Now you go to the kind of research that you're looking for, and I, I did this work as well, and I actually went back over 20, I think it was either 20 or 25 years, and the only two quarterbacks to get to the playoffs as rookies and become franchise quarterbacks who started from day one were Ben Roethlisberger and Russell Wilson. Every other quarterback that started from day one 
didn't really become a franchise quarterback. This is over the last 20, 25 years. You turn it around and you look at all of the all-time greats and you have the same story. You know, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Patrick Mahomes, I can start rattling off names for you. They all waited at least a year or longer. You'll find some who started, you know, week 10 or week 11 um, became great. You also will find guys who started immediately like Troy Aikman and Peyton Manning who became Hall of Famers, but it was only after they had awful rookie seasons and they didn't really arrive until year two or year three. Now, they, they couldn't have been any better than they turned out, so starting them as rookies didn't damage them uh, in the long run, but it certainly was painful for a year or two. The problem, though, with the question that you're asking is all these kids who failed, we don't know if the reason was because they started too soon or just because they weren't any good anyway. There, there, there's no way to judge that. We do know that almost none have succeeded starting that early, and so it suggests that you're better off waiting a little while, but, but there is no quantifiable, you know, statistically verifiable uh, data that will tell you an answer to it one way or the other. Uh, the evidence, the circumstantial evidence is overwhelming that you're better off waiting a little while, but it's all circumstantial. There's no guarantee. And so I, I am not, at no point have I said, nor am I saying now um, that the Bears have made a mistake in doing this. I just, I, I don't think it was their best option. And, and I don't understand why it had to be today. That, that's the part that, that really confuses me a little bit. Um, but there, there's no way to statistically prove one way or the other whether it's, it's the right move or the wrong move. So thank you for the call, though, because it is a curiosity. Um, unfortunately, it's not one. Now, now, if we have a Ph.D. in statistics out there who can help me, fine. Um, but I just don't know of any way to statistically prove it because you, you can't, you know, there's no way to, 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 to prove why kids fail. There's a lot of things we can look at as to why they succeed, but when they fail, we don't know if it's because they just weren't good enough or because the coaches screwed them up. Let's get one more before we have to take our last break. We'll stay on the south side. We'll go south shore where Bill is waiting. Bill, I appreciate the call. I hope you're having a good night. Hello. It's great, man. How you doing? Good. Good. Hey, you know, we had talked before the season, and with many caveats, you know, we had talked about an over-under on Justin Fields starting. You said seven, and you said with many prerequisites, that that's when you thought it was might happen. But obviously, you said in case of injuries or something else, things could change. Mm -hmm. I am interested in you had two different games, one that completely supports everything that you say, which is, of course, correct in terms of the risk of playing someone who's not prepared, who's too young, who has all the physical tools, but doesn't have, you know, the experience and the reps to, to see what's coming. Obviously, that game plan didn't help much. But then you see last week the difference. You know, with this kid and his ability to throw the deep ball accurately, would you say that you're anticipating Bill Lazor to keep him under center, obviously work a lot running the ball, get some play action set up to try to set up some of those deep balls? And if you could just lead me on when you answer, um, just because I don't have a radio right now. And my last question is, you know, when I think of the back-to-back -back Hall of Famers in Green Bay, you know, Brett Favre and, and Rodgers, you see them drop so many deep balls during the course of the game and, and plays between 15 and 25 yards set up by play action, despite how great they are. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, for coordinators for 30 years, I've seen them in, in Green Bay setting it up like that, setting up screens off, stuff like that. 
do you think that that's going to be in the future for the Bears as long as Matt Nagy is now making the play calls? Well, Bill, I, I think it can be in the future regardless of who's making the play calls, even if it's Matt Nagy. My hope is that Matt will not try that again anytime soon because we now know what's happened uh, on a couple occasions. But but I, I think where Bears fans and, and, and media, everybody is just not being careful enough. I don't want to be too hard on the Detroit Lions, but honestly, guys, they are one of the worst teams in the NFL. And, and it's not like the Bears went out and destroyed him with some great offensive performance. It's not like Justin Fields had a great game Sunday against the Detroit Lions. And we can't ignore the fact that with five minutes to play, it was still a game. And without those turnovers in the red zone, I, you know, the Bears easily could have lost that football game. I'm glad they didn't, you know, and it wouldn't have been Justin Fields' fault if they did. Um, but but this is where I keep getting back to the idea that, that something changed this weekend is a bit of a puzzle to me. As far as your questions uh, about formation and scheme and, and, and setting up deep balls, yes, I, I'm sure they're going to do it. I, I, they've known from the beginning that even though he was almost never under center at Ohio State that he was going to have to be. They've been working on that all along, and I think that Bill Lazor is more comfortable in his play calling with his quarterback under center than Matt Nagy is. Matt tends to prefer the shotgun. He, he's, he's had his QBs under center. He did it with Mitch. He did it with Nick. Uh, you know, uh, he's done it. Um, but uh, I, I don't think that the way this offense is set up, that it's necessarily the primary you know, position or location for the quarterback. But yes, you are going to see more of it. They absolutely are going to try and get the, the That was clearly a major part of the plan for this year, uh, even before they drafted Justin Fields. That's why... You, you, you put together the fastest team in the NFL. I mean, they, they got a, a damn Olympic track squad out there at wide receiver, and that's the frustration. They're not using these guys. They're, they're, they have not attempted yet to take the top off with Goodwin or Bird. You know, they, they got deeper with Mooney, who also has great speed, but not the, the elite speed uh, of Goodwin and Bird, and, and they haven't done it yet, but it, it is something that they have to do. It is something they will try and do, and it is one of Justin Fields' greatest assets. I mean, I saw that breaking down the tape at Ohio State. We saw it in the preseason. We saw it again uh, on Sunday with a couple of those throws that he made. This kid is exceptional, not just throwing the deep ball because he's got the arm strength to throw it a long way because of the touch and the, and the spots that he puts it in. It is one of his greatest strengths. So yes, I do think, Bill, that you are going to see um, uh, a lot more of that. They have to. That's what they want to do to open up the offense. Now, that is set up in large part by the running game and so the and play action. The big question is going to be how successful are they going to be running the football while they wait for David Montgomery to heal? And that's going to have a huge impact on how quickly Justin Fields starts to take steps forward. I, I Guys, I, I, I can't say it often enough, and forgive me if I'm redundant, I really like this kid, and I do. Th I like everything about him. I, I like the way he carries himself. I like his ability. I like his arm. Um, I, I've said this on the air before. When I talk about the greatest quarterbacks of all time, that I have two classes, and, and I'm not. I mean, Brady, Brady's the goat. You just can't argue that anymore, you know. But um, but when you list the all timers, you have this list that has Brady. Um, you know, it, it has Peyton Manning, obviously. Um, it, it's got to have, you know, it probably has to have Ben Roethlisberger with his two Super Bowls. As you get a little older, you go back to the Unitases and the Fouts's and, and, and the Elways and, and a lot of these guys. 
Um, but then I have a second class of the greatest of all time. There's only two guys in it because there are only two quarterbacks I've ever seen with the combination of arm talent and athleticism that I see in Justin Fields, and that's Brett Favre and, and Patrick Mahomes. Now, they've both done it on the field. They both have rings. They both have MVPs. They learned to be field generals. They learned how to read defenses and, and how to recognize coverages, and these are the things that your athleticism and your arm talent doesn't help. I don't see any reason Justin Fields can't do it because he's an exceptionally bright young man. He's an exceptionally charismatic young man. He's an exceptionally well-spoken young man. Seems to be mature well beyond his years, but all those things may not matter. Being able to read the field, being exceptional at that, that's as much God-given and intuitive as anything else. You can learn it. You can study it. You can get better at it. That's what happened with Drew Brees as a perfect example. Um, but you know that's the part that we don't know about him yet. That's the part that you develop, and that's the part that you don't want to torture him and make it any more difficult than you have to. And that's where this whole debate about when would the right time to go with him has been. The debate doesn't matter anymore. The time is now. Now let's see how long it's going to take him to get to that level, if in fact he could get there. i got to get one more commercial break in, guys. But Bill, Scott, you guys are up next. I'm going to get to you in just a couple minutes. You don't have to wait much longer. Back in just a moment right here at The Score. Welcome back, everybody. It is great to have you with me here on Chicago's number one, very favorite, top-rated all-sports radio station, 670 The Score. We are in the home stretch. We've got time to get back to the BetQL listener line for one more phone call. And so wrapping it up for us tonight, the closer is going to be Scott out in Edgebrook. And Scott, I got a question for you. And it's not a test. You're going to get to ask your question regardless of what the answer is. But I'm just curious because Edgebrook um, is one of my favorite spots. I'm, I'm curious, how much time do you spend over at Devon in Milwaukee at the original Superdog? Oh, I make it over there periodically. You can't not spend some time over a Superdog. No question about it. Yeah, Scott, I, I, I go there. My my dad came back from the war, from the Air Force uh, after World War II, and his best friend from Von Steuben High School, uh, Maury Berman, and, and his wife Flo, uh, opened the original Superdog uh, back in 1948. It was my dad's first job out of the Air Force. We were raised there, and, and I get crazy when people even think there's a debate about the best hot dog and the best crinkle-cut fries in Chicago. It's obviously a Superdog, and I'm jealous of you for living so close. So anyway, I got that off my chest. Let's talk football. What's on your mind? Yeah. Well, the other thing is, of course, if you get in line, you might be behind Grobstein, so you got to be careful about that, too. But uh, <laughs> I didn't realize Grobber uh, was a regular, but go ahead. <laughs> um, first of all, uh, love having you on the air. Thanks for taking the call. Go Sox. I'm going Sunday. Um, I can't wait for tomorrow. It's going to be so exciting. It's going to be a really tight series. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, to amplify one of your earlier, earlier callers, I was at the Sky Game tonight, my first time there at Wintrust Arena, and also for a Sky Game. ton of fun. I would encourage people to go. Um, they have a great team, great crowd. It's a, it's a wonderful arena, easy in, easy out, uh, wonderful time. But um, the purpose for the call was I really wanted to get your professional sort of third-party opinion. Um, the Ravens and John Harbaugh finished that game against the Broncos by having to uh, run the ball to get that, you know, to keep their 100 yard uh, per game streak alive. And 
you have been in so many locker rooms and know a lot of players and coaches. I'd be intrigued to know first just your own personal opinion and what you think about, you know, a professional football team going for that record in, at, at the point of the game when it really kind of, you know, the game's out of reach. Um, you obviously know Vic Fangio and, you know, would he sort of feel, would you sort of tell him like, hey, Vic, you got to let that kind of thing go? Or, or do you think that he and the Broncos certainly have, you know, a beef for like, hey, man, what are you doing? The game was over. We don't need anybody to get injured. This is silly. And then lastly, on that same question, you know, does the Ravens locker room really want that? Do they support the coach? Um, I think a lot of us football fans, we see things from a distance and we think we know what's going on and we love to talk about it. But none of us having been in locker rooms or knowing coaches, where do they all sort of lie on that end of game situation that happened on Sunday? Well, Scott, thank you for the call. And I, it really is an interesting question because you got to come at it a few different ways. Uh, I, and, and I'm in an interesting position on this one because I, I want to say up front, there, there's probably some bias involved. Uh, the Harbaugh family, uh, just uh, dear friends. I mean, Jim is the guy that I know the best and has been a friend for, God, I don't know how many years now. And his dad, Jack, uh, who reached out to me early in, in Jim's career because he was listening to us on the radio. I don't know John as well. Um, but, but, but they are, to, to me, a remarkably impressive family. And John is an outstanding football coach. And, and so where I start with this is, you know, you asked about being in locker rooms. The players are going to support their coach. I mean, you know, they're not going to have, you're not going to hear a Raven come out and say Fangio's right. You're not going to hear a Bronco come out and say, who cares? You know, Harbaugh didn't do anything wrong. So I, 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 there's not much I can tell you about that. Now, I think what you're asking me, though, is how do they feel about some of these records and some of the things that they go for? And, and, and I think this is where this starts to break down again a little bit. Uh, Vic was right. John was wrong. You know, I, I'll start by just saying it that simply. The game wasn't just out of hand. There were three seconds left, you know, and it was 23 to 9, I think, you know. And so there was no reason for it. That, that's number one. Number two is you're going to put Lamar Jackson or, or, or one of your running backs at, at risk, you know, for, for that record that they wanted to protect, that they wanted to secure. Um, number three, in answer to your question, I think most players would say, who really cares? You know, I mean, it, it was a team goal. Every team in the NFL has a whiteboard uh, that they keep, you know, somewhere around the locker room, somewhere very visible, somewhere where all the players see it in the meeting rooms. And every week it has team goals, you know, for the week. And, and the number one, the one that goes unspoken is win the football game. Now, yeah, rushing for 100 yards was a team goal. But at that point, did it really matter? So you're, you're risking your best players for a goal that, that isn't significant anymore because you've won the football game. And here's where I really break it down, and I take Vic's side over John's side, is that if, if, it's, if, it's, a, if it's an individual player with an incentive clause in his contract, if, if, even if it's a group, I, I haven't heard about a lot of these, but let's say everybody on the offensive line can make an extra 50 grand by doing that, um, then fine. You know, then if you're willing to risk your player's health, to, to let them be financially rewarded for it, I don't have a problem for it, and, and I suspect a problem with it, and I suspect even Vic would agree with that, you, you know? Um, but And the other thing, in, in fairness to Fangio, he didn't bring it up. He was asked the question, and so he gave a very honest answer to it. So 
I'm not going to go so far as some have said and say it was Bush by Harbaugh and, and it shouldn't happen. You know, there, there's there, there's a there's a perspective from either side. I, I get why he did it. He wanted his guys to feel good about it. But I my guess is in 2020 hindsight, now if John thought about it, probably wouldn't do it again. What really intrigued me about it, though, was was Fangio saying, I expect it from those guys. That I didn't expect because, you know, he was there. He was in Baltimore for two or three years. Um, I don't think John, I can't remember now if John was the head coach, though. I don't think he was. I, I You know, you can check me on that. I'm not sure. Um, but but I, I, I guess maybe he must have been there. Or why would Vic say he expected it from those guys? So that was the part that really interested me. Apparently, there had to be some ill will. I don't know if it was two-way between Harbaugh and Fangio, but certainly from Vic going towards John. And I'm not sure what that was about. So to me, that was kind of the most intriguing part of the whole thing. In the end, if I got to pick a side, I got to go with Fangio on this one. I would never have risked any of my players for a goal that really didn't mean anything at that point in the football game. And with that, guys, we are out of time. I've got to clear the way. I want everybody to make sure that you stay right where you're at because we have introduced, not we, but the station and Matt Spiegel have introduced this really intriguing podcast series called The Run. It is the story of the Chicago Bears 2000, uh, the Chicago Bears, the Chicago Cubs 2016 run to the World Series championship. We have an episode of the podcast ready for you in just about five minutes, so make sure you get to hear it. Really great listening, and Matt does an outstanding job with it. Before I let you go, though, or before I go, I guess I should say, my thanks to my incredible lineup of guests tonight. Kevin Fishbane of The Athletic was here, Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times, Scott Merkin from MLB.com gave us a great preview of the Sox-Astros series starting tomorrow in Houston. Eric Edholm from YahooSports.com stopped by as well. Guys, I talk about it because it's necessary. Our producers, our production staff is just as great as it comes. And Brandon Fryer, extra work tonight. We had some technical difficulties. You probably didn't know much about it because he was hustling so much to get it fixed. He's the guy who brings all these guests on for us, gets you all on the air. Brandon, outstanding job as always. And most of all, I do want to thank all of you who listened who texted, who called. You being part of the show is what makes this worth doing for me. That's what I enjoy the most. Thank you so much for being with us tonight, guys. Stay tuned. The run is coming up next. I will talk to you again soon right here at 670 The Score. Have a great night, everybody. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.